Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hi, everyone. This is Sonia Jamil. I will be the host of this radio program today. Um, I will be with Tracy Jones. I am so, so excited to introduce her. She has a new book out called A Message to Millennials, which is an amazing legacy piece. I cannot wait to really dive into the topic of this book. As for the radio station, if you'd like to learn more, you can at journeytosuccessradio.com. And welcome, Tracy. How are you? I'm tremendous, Sonia. It's so nice to be uh, interviewed by you. I'm I'm thrilled. Well, it is so, so nice to get a chance to learn a little bit more about you, to get a chance to discuss this. Um, One thing that really, really resonated with me was you you talk about being uh, being an author that discusses running a business as a second generation. And actually, that is 100% my experience as well, too. Um, I own a preschool or a preschool that my family started, a couple of preschools. And so now wow. where I'm at is really re- is taking what they've built and taking it kind of to the next level. So tell me a little bit more about, about your background, what, what you do with your family and what your expertise is in. Absolutely. Well, uh, growing up, uh, my father, uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, was a motivational speaker and salesman like you have never seen before. Just an incredible personality. And he would take me to meetings when I was younger, and I'd sit and I'd listen to people like Zig Ziglar and Ken Blanchett and Brian Tracy. So at, at a very early age, I was exposed to great people and great books. And he let me know that in life, I needed to go out, and he used to say this word to me, Tracy, you need to go earn your own stripes. And what he meant was that um, you can't be successful riding somebody else's coattails. Not truly successful. Because, you know, we, 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 you're a legacy uh, lady too, so we built on what people um, have created for us, but we also have to take it and make it our own. And so I was sitting here watching all these speakers as a young lady, uh, even a young girl, and I thought, wow, these guys have gone out. They're not just talking about their lives, but they have actually gone out and accomplished things. They have, uh, you know, fulfilled their journey to success, and they are sharing with others how they can to be successful. So I was always well aware of this, um, but when I graduated from high school, I said, okay, I'm going to go earn my own stripes. So to me, I, I joined the Air Force. So I went to um, the Air Force Academy. Um, I lived all over the world for 12 years. It was incredible. Um, I was part of the first Gulf War, the Bosnian War, and got to work on fighter jets. And it was just an amazing leadership and um, journey to success. And then after that, I went into the world of high tech, and I moved to Austin, Texas as a project manager, working for a Fortune 100 company, so kind of cut my teeth in the business world. And then I moved to um, St. Louis, where I worked several defense contracting jobs and working for the federal government. And um, again, really enjoyed you know, further honing my operational skills. So, you know, like I said, Dad said, you know, grow your experience bag, and the more experiences you can get, the better it is. Um, but I also, in the back of my mind, knew there would probably be a day, at least I was hopeful, 
that I would be able to come back and pick up what he had started after I had learned all these things on my own. And in 2008, um, he passed away, went home, and that was the time three months later that I decided, hey, I'm going to come on back and pick up this legacy piece. And Sonia, I wasn't sure, talk about a journey to success entails a lot of journey of uncertainty. I wasn't sure what I was going to be able to do because our skill sets were very different. Um, we both had a lot of rich experiences, but we were we were gifted differently. But I really so respected what he did, and um, I came back in uh, the beginning of 2009, and here we are eight years later, um, thanks to the support of an incredible groups of people and fans and the grace of God and, you know, continuing on what he's doing. Tracy, it does sound like no matter what you did, no matter what industry, no matter what time you put your all into it. I mean, you sound extremely, extremely positive about every aspect of your journey. I mean, sometimes you'll talk to people and they will talk about a time in their life where they said, you know, it was something that I did, but I wasn't, you know, fully invested. And it seems to me that no matter which direction you ever went in your life, the first and foremost thing that I'm picking up is how invested you were in it. Well, I am so glad you said that, Sonia. You hit on, and, and the book talks about that, the two greatest things for anybody going out. And again, for the millennials listening, I'm a baby boomer. When I, I was in my 20s, this is what people told me. No matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's your dream job or, or it's not the job, it's what you put into the job. So you make the job your dream job by bringing it to the table. And Sonia, I knew these that I wasn't going to be in these jobs for a career, um, but I knew as long as I was in them, I was going to give it my all, I was going to leave the organization better than when I came, and I was going to um, try and gain all the experiences I can, even if they were horrible. Like I said, the bad bosses teach you three times as much as the good ones. So just because you're in like, hey, this isn't exact, there's still seeds of greatness in there, especially in the difficult situations. And the second point is you talked about um, being adaptable, adaptable, and that is, psychologists will say, that is the greatest personality trait that will guarantee you success in life. Uh, and it's, called, it's a term called extroversion. And it doesn't mean that you're an extrovert because there are a lot of introverts that have it. Lincoln would be a prime example. Extroversion means that you have a positive emotionality. And it's, so it's not just fluff. It's not just what, you know, uh, uh, positive thinkers or the secret or new age or Napoleon. It is a fact that psychologists have pointed out. It's called extroversion. And what it means is that you have the ability to take the negatives in life and turn them into a positive experience. And when I was young, in my 20s, um, life was one big pageant of wonderful successes. And then you start going through life and you realize Boy, there's a lot of unexpected things that happen, and probably 50% of what I went through in life worked out how I wanted, and the other 50% not so good. So this, Absolutely. they call it an, an adaptive capacity or a, re, a redemptive, regenerative personality. You can take the things that beat you up, and you can turn them and make them make them um, upbeat. And so that's why if you can master that, the younger you are, no matter what you go through in life, you're going to come out on top of things and a better, richer, more compassionate and smarter human being as a result of it. I 100% agree with you. And I've seen this in my own life at several points. Um, I was definitely, I think, for a lot of my life, the glass half empty kind of a personality. 
I really do think so, but it was when I started diving into uh, self-development and personal development, mm. reading and literature, that's when the view started changing. And I'll be very honest, sometimes I fall back into it, but I'm trying yes. to kind of flex that skill as a muscle. So I'm curious to say, yes. um, do you think it's something a person is born with? Do you think that this is something a person can develop? If they go about developing it, uh, how do you recommend or what regime do you recommend to kind of build this uh, muscle up? Well, that's a brilliant question, and I'm so glad you said that because I'm working on my doctorate right now, and we just had a class in personality development. Now, there's three things that make us who we are, that make us the fullness of being. One is nature, so genetically, how we're coded. I, I was coded kind of a, an extroverted, um, positive person. I, I drew that DNA from my father. The next thing is nurture. It's how you're raised. You heard a little bit about the things that went into making me. I had my needs met. I I was challenged. I was not coddled or doted on, but I was told to work hard because something special was in store for me. So, so these things made me, but the biggest factor now psychologists are saying, because otherwise, if you had a bad set of parents or you genetically did not, you know, have some challenges, then life would be top, you know, just not worth it. But they're saying now that your environmental factors, that you develop your leadership personality and your persona throughout your entire life, um, well into your 60s, and I would say I've seen people doing it in their 70s and 80s. So it is about the books you read and the people that you meet. And your positive emotionality, you hit the nail on the head. That is just like a muscle. Your mind and how you program it is a muscle just like any other muscle in our body. And the more you infuse it with positivity this, and, and starve out the negative, the stinking thinking, the negative habits, you starve them off, they die off, and you start programming in your mind these new lines of thinking. And there are all kinds of neuroplasticity, mental regeneration. There's all kinds of science now backing up that you can retrain your brain. And I know I have changed in the past eight years since I've been back, even in the last two years, probably even in the last six months. So for the listeners, it is within your realm. The one key thing is, do you want it? Everybody in the world needs personal development because we're people, we're humans, and we, we are a work in progress. And science tells us the second law of thermodynamics, we're all decaying and the negativity creeps in. It is a constant, nonstop, day in and day out fight to keep great things in your mind because the more greatness it flows in, the more greatness it pours out. But the trick is, Sonia, not everybody wants it. So unless you want it, no matter what I do for you and tell you all the answers are in the world or in, if you would just read this book, you have to want to take it and digest it and put it in your heart and live it out and not just hear it and think somehow magically things are going to change. So that's the main thing. But for people that are listening and serious about it, I cannot tell you enough that you can make this transition. I am proof positive. Sonia, I was in two prisons yesterday, State Corrections Institute, doing a book discussion, and we read a message of millennials. We read Napoleon Hill. We read um, all kinds of uh, personal development books. Some of these gentlemen are in there for life. Life. And guess what they're doing? They're reading these books, and they're transforming their personality, and they're realizing that they still have self-worth, and they can be leaders within um, the community that they, are, that they are in. And, I mean, when you see that kind of redemption and regeneration, if they can get it, boy, we on the outside that – 
that and, and they would love to be able to be in the outside world and apply it. Maybe some will, most won't. But here we have every opportunity in the world to continue to develop ourselves and pour it back out. And and don't worry if you don't feel it. Um, you will. It's just like anything else. Just start out slowly, little bits, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. Go to a meeting, listen to this podcast, and you are going to see it's going to start to take. It's like starting out at the gym. It's hard at first. But, man, you'll get where you – I'm sure you're like it now. You can't go a day without it. You can just can't. retraining your mind entirely. And that, it that is. is really began <laughs> for me. Gosh, um, I think toward the end of college when I just started really diving into the world of personal development, and oh I cannot gosh. tell you how quickly things changed. Things oh. fell into place, and it was as if the universe was trying to tell me, okay, you're ready now. And then the worst things <laughs> happened that I could have ever imagined, and then they turned out to be the best things that I could have ever hoped for. And I, just, I, remember, I love it. I remember reading something, or I guess it's a quote. I may be misquoting it, but it just says, you know, you have to just realize that life is happening for you, not to you. And when you I start thinking that everything is really designed to take you a step further in the direction that you choose, and you can start to shift your view, I mean, that's when the magic really happens. So going back to uh, a few of the points you said, First off, congratulations. Um, I know that you are getting your honorary doctorate tonight, so I really wanted to take a moment to congratulate on that. On that. Oh, thank you. I, I'm so excited. And, and as I said um, for the readers beforehand, my father got one from the same institution, Central Penn College, um, 14 years ago, and there's a library there uh, on the campus in his honor, a leadership library. Not just a library, a leadership library. So it's, it's oh um, I'm pretty, pretty hyped up. <laughs> Well, I see the excitement in your voice. It is just, it's a huge and high honor. And I know your father must just be smiling down from the heavens today that his baby girl is following in his footsteps, has earned her own stripes, and now is really, really carrying on his legacy, which is such a such an act of love. So, you know, I can hear so much love in your voice when you talk to me about your father. Can you please tell me a little bit more about him? Uh, what, what, were, what was his story? Can you talk to us about how oh. he became the man that he was? Um, you know, to get this honor of this library dedicated in his, his honor, this, everything mm-hmm. he's built. Please talk to me a little bit about that. I well, I learned that redemptive capacity um, not only because of my faith, because that is the root of what I believe—that we're all so broken, but we are—we are new creatures. But I watched my father, who grew up in the Depression in um, Alabama, uh, poverty, um, broken family. Um, he did uh, uh, reopen up his uh, relationship with his mother years later, but it was difficult. Um, they had no money. There was five kids born in five years, and it was the Deep South back in the late 20s, so times were tough. That did not mean anything to my father. Um, he had this high extra, he had this positive emotionality built in, and he had a drive that he was not going to let that stop him. And the other thing is, and I hear this from the great people, the greats, if you listen, if you read Advantages of Poverty, um, oh, and the mind, uh, Carnegie um, slips me now, um, he wrote about the advantages of poverty. So when you don't have a lot and when you're young, number one, a lot of times you don't realize it, but you understand the value in work. And that's what my father had. He learned early on that any job, no matter what, no matter how much you got paid, was, was 
a privilege. And so he developed that unbelievable push and drive and work ethic. And that where he was was not not out of jealousy or bitterness, like how come these other kids have it and I don't have it. He was aware of it, but that, that didn't factor in. It didn't make him angry or hostile um, or, or mad about anything or shame. Um, he was just out there. So he, start, he, in the eighth grade, was working a couple jobs, and he was so tired he didn't pass his classes, and he flunked out of school in the eighth grade. Okay, so he flunked out of school oh, in the eighth wow. grade, and uh, I know. And but he went on and to become one of the twenty-five. After that, yeah. 25 Legends of Personal Development. So um, he was embarrassed, but he just worked hard, worked a series of jobs, um, wound up in Lancaster, and he took a job in the insurance field with Mutual New York. And there he just found great men that discipled him, that taught him, that mentored him. He met my mother, so he found a great professional experience. He found the love of his life partner, my mother, in Lancaster, and then he found he found Christ, and so he had these wonderful Christian businessmen, and just just surrounding him. It's all about your community and edifying him and giving him opportunities. And he took every opportunity to the hilt. So he built this business um, to, you know, I talk a little bit about how big it got in Message Millennials. And then he uh, branched off in his early 40s to form a company called Life Management Services where he shared with people on his own his experiences that he learned through raising the six kids and the life insurance business. And the rest of and then he wrote Life is Tremendous 51 years ago, and that's sold over 4 million copies and people are still buying it. And actually, A Message to Millennials has a portion of Life is Tremendous in it. Um, but his tagline was, enthusiasm makes a difference. So no matter what happens to you in life, wow. you have God in your heart, you have value, you are worth something, and do not let events, your response is what dictates the outcome, not the event itself. So I just learned that over and over and over and over again. And whenever I get upset or, oh, Dad, this, he's like, stop thumb-sucking. You know, just do something about it. This is, this is meant to break you down, to build you up. And so I had a healthy relationship with failure and risk and adversity. And I was like those punching bags that gets punched, but it pops right back up. So I really learned that early on from him. Well, first of all, I mean, I gosh, I wish I had gotten an opportunity to meet him. He sounds like just God. He sounds like an amazing, amazing figure. And, and you know what? I cannot help but make the parallels to my own father, who started off in school but couldn't find a single job in his field. Um, he too got into insurance with nothing. He oh he had to make it work. And that's how he started his kind of business empire as well, too. Um, and so, so for me, I can relate to you. And for me, he said the same thing, too. He said positivity, enthusiasm, and it does not matter, matter how much you fail. So a little bit just about my background with this is that, you know, recently I branched out for the first time away from my family business. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do something for myself. And phenomenal things began to happen in a year. But one year later, I realized, you know what, this is not the path I want to continue. Yes, I have money. Yes, I have a lot of things going for me with this, but it's not something that I feel is making me 100% happy and healthy. And I, and I was talking to him about it, and I was so scared to tell him because I thought he was going to tell me, um, you, you know, that you failed with this initial idea. Mostly I was just going to be pivoting a little bit, not, not shutting down this business yeah. entirely, just a slight pivot. 
And he said, you're not, you're not failing. He said, but you're, you're actually succeeding because you are fully clarifying what you want out of life and you're going yeah. for that. And then it just, he just kept hitting it home about all the times that things hadn't worked out for him. But what he extracted from those moments, which is what allowed him to do what he was doing in the future. So I think you and I grew up with very, very similar backgrounds, and I can appreciate that figure in your life so much, kind of through my own personal experiences. Mm, that's right. and you said it. You know, I tell people here's the three steps, and you know, you you have learned this about thirty years earlier than it took me. But clarity. And and the crises in life, embrace them because that means life is getting your attention or you're holding on to something that you really need to let go. So embrace the crisis and the chaos. Number two, then then you you sequence your action steps because if you get them out of order, you're going to have a lot of misfires and false starts. And then number three, you make it second nature. But I I love that you said it's a slight pivot. Um, a lot of people in life are like, well, if I go this, then I can't do this. I am all about the blend. Um, you, I have dogs that write children's books and go into preschools. I do prison ministry. I write. I speak. I go to school. I'm on the township. I speak to vet. Why do you have to segment your life? Why can't you blend the things that you love into what makes you uniquely you? So I think everybody gets real hyper about, well, if I do this, I can't do this. Why can't, why can't you do it? You know, when I first got back to run the business, um, people were trying to advise me, okay, so what's your main focus? Um, do you want to just write, speak, or run a business? And I'm like, well, I want to do them all. Now, I understand what they're saying. I need to get clarity on what's going to take priority. But I want to do them all. And I, I am doing them all. And so it's, it's important to realize sometimes we think we have to give up something to gain something. Um, perhaps there's a way that you can blend them if they're, if they're um, uh, congruent or there's a synergy type thing going on. So I love the, the slight exactly. pivot thing. People act like a change. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be so radical. Just change one little tiny thing at a time. It's like steering a ship. You don't got to yank it, drop anchor in a reverse course. Just start, start realigning, and you're going to be there before you know it. Exactly, and I think that you have to be very clear about what your end goal is. Uh, for me, yes. it was I've never, ever been focused on money as the end goal. However, sometimes you get confused, and oh, this was, was my experience. Again, I'm pretty young right now, so I'm only 26 right now, but when you start to see and associate people who are really, really high players with wealth and um, are really, you know, you start to, or maybe even entrepreneurs who are just preaching hustle and grind till you die, and you start to feel like you need to be doing these things or you need to be after these things. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when you are creating your environment, you have to also be very, very, very careful that it is also a true reflection of what you want your end outcome to look like. Because if not, then the environment can really start to play against you. You might start to think that you have to be a certain way or do certain things, and you start to you start to live life trying to compare to others versus being true to yourself. Mm. So I think all of these things are really important, and now I really want to hammer into your book a message to millennials because I am 100% your audience. So tell me, what is the central thesis and main takeaways from your book? The central thesis is, I wrote this because there were many, many tremendous motivated millennials that said to me, Tracy, I want to be a leader. How do I become a leader? So that's why I wrote this book. The central thesis is you cannot be, or the, I'm sorry, we'll phrase it in a positive way. The road to becoming a tremendous leader is rooted in the years of you being a tremendous follower. 
Okay, and so that is really the more you can hone. It's like trying to jump from elementary school to high school. Um, followership is not a dirty word. You learn so much, and even if you are a, 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 such an entrepreneurial spirit, um, you really need to learn how businesses are run, how you handle people. You need to get some seasoning to become more self-aware and self-disciplined and self-regulated. That doesn't happen um, automatically. That's something that happens with age and wisdom and discernment. So the book's main takeaway is, Leadership and followership are two sides of the same coin. And you're going to be coming new into an organization or starting out, and they're what we call green behind the ears. When I graduated from the Air Force Academy, I was a second lieutenant. And even though I was an officer, I knew for the next four years as a lieutenant, I was the lowest level, and that meant I was really to spend my time really watching and learning so when I got up to be a mid-level officer, I would have some experience and I would have done something that I could actually weigh in on and say, well, in my experience. So it really teaches the millennials how no matter where they go, where they wind up, um, how to position themselves for greater things, how to support an authentic boss, and how to stay motivated. And mainly what you've been saying the only person that's responsible for your personal development is you. And if you're blessed enough to have a superior or somebody in your life that looks to you and, and helps you, that's great. But don't wait for that. So that's, that's really what the core of it is. Because no one else can get into your mind for you to shape your thoughts, and that's really what this comes down to. Now, yes. the central thesis of, of your book is actually one that I haven't really heard before. I love the... Um, how it almost feels kind of like an oxymoron I, that you would not have expected that the that what you're going to be talking about in a leadership book will really be rooted in being a follower because people think that that might almost be a dirty word. Oh, I don't want to follow anyone. I want to strike out on my own path. And I think it's phenomenal to see the impact of not reinventing the wheel if it's already doing great, it's just really learning from others, what they've done, where they've come from. And once you learn the rules, then you can break them. You can't quite break the yeah. rules if you don't know them yet. So that's something right. that I think a lot of people, know, not just millennials, I think anyone can really, truly benefit from. Well, and, you know, it says a message to millennials, but these are the life universals. You know, I have my dad's. Uh, uh, input on that, and then I have my input. You know, there, there's a 30-year spread there, 30-some um, years spread. But the, the main thing is, is as I was working back in the business, I've had so many successful businessmen in their 60s, 70s, and 80s say to me, when they were the millennial age in their 20s and early 30s, somebody came into their life and told them something and, and pointed something out, um, gave them some constructive feedback, or gave them a book. So, it takes somebody pouring into you to share these things with you because they're not they're not um, intuitive. Like you said, it sounds like a paradox. And and the leaders leadership is really all about paradoxes. Uh, the Bible even says for servant leadership, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Well, what you know? I thought the top dog was the top dog. That's not it at all. And I think you know we we talk about leadership, leadership, and I'm like, and I'm getting a doctorate in leadership, and I'm like, you know what? The only way we're going to get better leaders and more of them is to focus on growing just exemplary followers because that's who becomes your leaders. Exactly, because once they have absorbed all the knowledge, all the skill sets, the mindsets that they need, then they can take 
then they can take it to the next level. And I think for millennials, this is really, really um, important more than ever. Um, I was having conversations with other others that were experts um, studying millennials, and what they have really truly found is that the hierarchies of the traditional world have been decompressed. Uh, millennials have a seat at the table, a lot of it being due to their expertise and handle on technology, which is shaping the modern world. And I think... This is, I guess, just my, I haven't researched this, I've just, I guess, contemplated it a little bit, but because we've been offered a seat at the table so early, or not even offered, but because we have decided to take a seat at the table so early, sometimes we forget to listen and to be patient. We want it right now. We want it to, we want to, you know, the next startup that, you know, reaches that billion-dollar valuation without having really worked and sweated that way through it. And when I say we, I'm talking about obviously a fragment of millennials, not everyone. Everyone's, you know, very unique and different to themselves, but a large percentage of people that share this kind of view and mindset. So I guess what would be the ending words that you leave to millennials who are so hungry but may not have that patience or, or, or really desire to kind of, developed as a follower before a leader? Oh, wow. Um, patience is um, such a beautiful thing because it teaches you to be teachable and humble and that there's so much of what happens that is up to outside of our hands. Um, I would say it's something that's learned. I was very impatient. I have a little blip on um, on my YouTube channel where they say, if I was a millennial again, what was the one thing I tell myself? And it was to be patient. Do not just be like a charging bull expecting everybody. You guys are smart. You're savvy. You're going to think faster and quicker and process information more than 99% of the people at the table. Yes, you are. Okay? However, we are a community. And Warren Bennis said, none of us is as smart as all of us. So like you said, it's so important to realize, I know it may be obvious to you, but everybody brings to the table their own bucket of experiences and, and thoughts. And to just really, in your patience, remember, you have your own biases and blind spots. And as you become more self-aware, I am more tuned into, oh, wow, okay, I see what I did there. And um, just to keep yourself humble and teachable. And remember, we got one mouth and two ears, which means that we're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. And I'm with you. It's a challenge because you guys are, are wired to achieve, and that's a beautiful thing. But just if you can just listen with the quietness, get as much counsel as you can, and just remember, uh, the timing of when you're going to tap on success is something we don't know. Um, I tell people, you're going to get it, but, but we just don't know the three-letter word yet. When is that going to happen? So the more patience um, that you have, and you're going to see these one-off kits that, that grow this company and sell it for $500 million, okay? But that is by and far not the norm, and we still have to learn how to deal with people because the main thing in life is how we enrich the community of the human race. Not so much what we do, but how we're touching other lives. And so exactly. when you realize that that patience can really help, I'm much, more, I'm much less about hitting sales goals and numbers now. I'm more about focusing on how I impact other lives. And when you, that will teach you patience more than anything. Exactly, because sometimes it is a process where you have to set the, the groundwork for several years before anything happens. But anytime one person's life is impacted, I mean, 
that makes all of it worth it. That makes the entire career worth it. So Chase, hey, and I got to tell you, for some of the millennials, I, I mean that. I have had one person show up for a speech, and you know what? I thank God for that because that one person's life could be changed for that. So you got to mean it. If you are all about results and how much money and how much you're getting paid and how much revenue, then that is a a, a fickle motivation. And I know tons of rich people that are more miserable than the poor people I know. Money's not going to do it for you. That is not a true authentic purpose in life. And if you chase that, you don't know when it's going to go. And, you know, it's just, it'll it'll get you some things. Um, But that's not really what the purpose of life is. The accumulation is just stuff and wealth. It's about the righteous use of wealth and what you can do with your talents for the most good people. That is something that is so relevant to where I'm at right now in my life. So I'm honored to have shared this conversation with you. Now, Tracy, we're wrapping up toward the end of the interview, and I wanted to ask, now, if anyone wants to go ahead and read your book, A Message to Millennials, where can they find it and where can they find out more about you? Absolutely. Well, I would recommend it's on Amazon, and we have the audio and the ebook, the Kindle book on Amazon um, that they can download. But they can get it either on Amazon or they can go to www.tremendousleadership.com and you can type in the word millennials and you'll see all about it. We've got YouTube videos. And um, Sonia, we're building out seven online learning modules that will be released at the end of the summer to take you through each of the chapters. So, Tremendous Leadership has all about what we do. My dogs write books. You can meet my dogs. Uh, we have free oh, wow. webinars on leadership for you to, to to listen and enjoy. And just, you know, it's a tremendous community. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for sharing so much wisdom, so much positivity, so much energy, and so many gems during this interview. Completely honored to have been part of this conversation. And I cannot get it, uh, cannot wait to dive in to see what your course looks like. And again, congratulations on that honorary doctorate. I know your father will be smiling down at you today. Thank you so, Thank you so, so much. much. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at tomtutall.com for details.